Welcome to the House of Labor. This is Studio 371, the podcast, here on Mighty Union Digital Originals, your source for information and insight about our union. We're broadcasted from New York City. Now here's your host, SSCU Local 371 President, Anthony Wells. Welcome to the Millennial Town Hall, the Artificial Natural Divide, part two in a series of two Studio 371 podcasts. In this episode, we're going to explore how the generation is similar to and how they differ from their predecessors, as well as how to apply this knowledge to create more engaged workers and healthier and productive citizens. So let me have my guests introduce themselves tonight, starting with you, Jim. Hello, and thank you for the invitation. I'm Roberto Fernandez from uh, Dykeman Job Center, HRA, delegate on site. Hi, good evening. Uh, my name is Ruth Sabino. I'm with the Public Engagement Unit under the Home Support Unit with HRA, and I am a alternate on site. Good evening. Marco Santiago. I'm the Executive Assistant to President Anthony Wells at Local 371. Good evening. Mark Kasner from Staten Island ACS, delegate on site. So in part one, we start off with a little fun, talking about different slogans. One of the millennials, and by the way, you do know I say that I call you the millennials <laughs> yeah, with love and affection because I mumble, so millennials doesn't always come out. So I've created my own name, but once again, one of admiration and love. So we talked about just some of the different slogans that were used in uh <laughs> with the two different generations. So, check this out. If you're a seasoned, <laughs> and by the way, we use the word seasoned. <laughs> I do throw a little old in every once in a while, but we use seasoned. So if you're a seasoned activist, some of the slogans you understood was the joint. Well, what did that mean, the joint? That was like really cool. It was bad. It was tough. Nice. Banging. Bang. That's a good thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> Get lit. To get fired up, to have fun. <laughs> yeah. Trolls. Like, basically, like, internet bullies. Ratchet. Ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I think Ratchet's over ghetto. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really, really ghetto. Now, this one, Made in the Shade. I don't know. Made in the Shade. Positive, I guess, but... What does it mean to me? When, when, when you're made in the shade, it's like actually it's all good. It's something that's, you know, um, you've completed. It's done entirely. How about bust a gut? Bust a gut, wow. That means something's that funny. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That's something's right. funny. Really? And, and when my, okay. mother, my mother used to say, uh, cooking with gas. What does that mean? You ever heard that one before? It's like now we're in business. Oh, you should see. We, we know <laughs> what the season seasons are, right? Never heard those terms ever. <laughs> no. yeah. I'm a turn up, turned up, and turned up. Like, you know, you're about to go party, it's going to get lit, kind of like that. And when you had enough of somebody, bye, Felicia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, it works. <laughs> you, could just, you could say bye, Felicia, or goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, goodbye. So we talked about the growth of the millennials. Uh, in a national survey, they said in a few years, there'll be more than 50% of the workforce. In our own local, there are about one-third of our membership, which is good. Uh, we talked about 
this artificial, natural divide, and whether there is one that exists. Is it real or is it created? Any thoughts? Mm -hmm. I think at times it's, uh, there's a divide because of, I don't know, the lack of knowledge maybe with technology and so forth. Are we talking about a divide between? Well, I mean, the generations. You think you think there's a divide sometimes? Yeah, with the technology, with you know, with social media, with the emailing and so forth, using the computer. So you feel that the season generation maybe not be as adept, don't use as much, or is not as important to them, which is or any of those people adapt. They adapt to it. Yes. Okay. Sometimes, uh, like at my site, I I help the more veteran workers with you know, technolo technological uh, features. Okay. Ruthie, what do you think? I, I also agree that sometimes there could be that divide, um, especially when it comes to, you know, experience. Like my experience as a millennial is, you know, very different from someone that's more seasoned. And sometimes it could seem like, you know, my experience is not necessarily credited since I'm more like a newbie. Okay. Do you think the... Experience workers were ever newbies? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you think they just came in no, experience? No. So so what, what experiences you may think are different as as when they were newbies mm -hmm. or when we were newbies, not just they, we. Yeah. When, when we were young and new and now, what, what, what would you say are, are differences, contrasts between now and, and, say, 30 years ago? I guess, like... Um the way I guess, like a, I guess like a newbie, a millennial, the way we take approach on things might be like different from the way someone seasonal will take approach on something, and it could be seem a bit like odd. It's just like, well, what's that? Um, I mean, I feel like sometimes like going to like you know different agencies, they're like, well, no, you can't do that. It's too assertive, and I'm like, what do you mean? Like, if there's an issue, we gotta you know just tackle it and. Usually someone that's a little more seasoned, they can be a little more, like, conservative, and they're like, no, let's wait. So, Mark or, or America, same question. So for me as a seasoned worker, um, I don't experience the same thing a lot of other seasoned workers do because I'm very tech-savvy, very much into a lot of what the millennials are into. But I can see that, that divide, particularly for me it works both ways. With you guys, I need to understand where you're from, what you do, how you do it. With them, I need to understand how I can help them, just like you guys do, mm -hmm. get to where they need to be. Um, I don't particularly think that it's a divide that we can't bridge together. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of how we approach it and how we go about doing these things. But I can definitely understand what you guys go through when it comes to trying to initiate something in the now when people are used to doing it a different way. Now the conversation has to take place on how do we do that? How do we bridge that gap? How do we change the narrative that it's okay to do some of the stuff you used to do, but it's also okay to do some of the new stuff and vice versa? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that we are not monolithic, and to the extent that there is a divide, it's probably 100% artificial. So, yeah, I noticed some differences from time to time. But uh, I will say that the younger people are very direct, and that's 
that's a great thing. They don't they don't beat around the bush. They ask you directly, yeah. But in very plain language. No filter. Right up front. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's great. It's great. So what have what are some of the challenges that, that either either group have had in dealing with people from the other generation, either on location or within the union? Anything comes to mind with the particular challenges? Anybody could just jump in. So mm-hmm. I think um I can do both. I've had instances where some of the older veteran folks um, want to be engaged with social media, but they're afraid of asking. They're afraid of, you know, getting that answer that they may feel they can't um, understand. And as an older seasoned veteran uh, staff, uh, because I know so much of this stuff, I try to convince them that it's okay not to know because at some point we didn't know when we were new workers either. But then also with the young folks, I, younger generation millennials, I know that sometimes you guys can be really, really fast and wanting it instantly, and some things take work. Everything is not like a text message. So getting you guys to understand that as well could sometimes be difficult. So what challenges, what challenges have you faced, if any, uh, uh, dealing with the other generations or even within your own generations and, and vis-a-vis being part of the union? Well— Personally, for my experience, um, I remember when I, like, first got involved, um, like, with the union, there was, like, one meeting I went to, and um, it was mostly, like, seasoned workers, which, you know, it was fine, because I'm like, oh, you know, I usually, you know, hang out with, like, older folks. I'm like, okay, you know, it's fine. And um, uh, we were having, like, a discussion, and then, like— I had expressed my opinions, and they just looked at me, and they were like, oh, no, you're young. You don't know anything. Or it was something like, um, I don't know. It was just kind of like downplaying, like, my thoughts. And it was just, like, a little odd. Like, I didn't understand, like, what my age had to do with, like, you know, adding to the debate or discussion. That's a challenge. Brado, anything? Well, helping a member out, uh, you know, as a new delegate— they were like, eh, he's not very knowledgeable, doesn't know much information, how he's going to, you know, fight for me or help, for, you know. So they will probably, at the beginning, they will go to the more more experienced uh, delegate, uh, you know, when they had situations at work. So that segues into a question I asked the other group. Which upsets you more, do it a minute first, that wait your turn or you don't know anything? Wait your turn or, or you don't know anything. Or, or does it not accept you at all when somebody says that to you? I don't like um, either because I'm like, um, I don't know anything. Well, I feel like in reality, do we all know everything? Like I haven't met a person that knows like everything about everything. Like there's no way in the world that you could just know everything. So it's just like I admit that I don't know everything, but there's always room to like, you know, to learn and grow. You know, that's how I feel. I always, you know, I feel like every day I'm always learning something new. And then with the with the comment, like, wait your turn. And I'm like, why wait? Like, what about now? Let's, you know, let's go at this right now. Um, wait, wait your turn? Uh, 
<laughs> Take your time. It's okay. I mean, maybe it does. Bo- maybe it doesn't bother you. When no, somebody touches it, it doesn't bother me at no, all. There you go. It doesn't uh, have to bother you. You yeah. know, because sometimes some things we do, we let go off our back. Yeah. And some things we at the core, as we said earlier, somebody tells us, "Well, you don't know anything." Yeah. But you don't like well, either. But that, you, so that what, I won't like. And how, so, so how do you handle? How, how did you handle that on location when they said that to you? Because early on, well, they would go to the more the more, more seasoned, right? Yes. And then now. They go to you, I guess. Yes, even even members from other locals, they'll go to me. So what happened? <laughs> uh, I I helped a lot of people, a lot of members out, you know, from you know situations they had at you know at work, and uh, the word got around. So, uh, yeah. So that I showed I showed them, you know, right. that they were wrong. <laughs> right. So you, you didn't get angry and didn't get turned no. off. No, no. And you said, "Listen, I'm gonna." Continue to do this. Yeah. Ruth, by the same token, may have gotten angry, but she also didn't get turned off. And she said, I'm going to come back again, even though you seem to have been treated in a, in a less than a pleasant way in terms of your participation. So, my seasoned people, <laughs> which makes you <laughs> makes you angrier? It's time to move out of the way, or you think you know everything? <laughs> you think you know everything's pretty bad. But uh, sometimes I just go, yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I like the confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Only sometimes. Well, in certain circumstances, you may know everything about that subject, right? Mm-hmm. And so which of the two, if any, As, upset you? Um, I know for a fact I don't know everything, but I'm, fairly, I'm really confident that I know a lot about a lot of things, and that's a good thing. So when someone can you know feels that they can say that to me they really don't know who I am so I also have to think about that this person doesn't know who I am and I need to have a conversation with them so that they understand who I am where I'm from and what I know and anybody can jump in what do you have to offer to help teach the other generation hmm. I would say from I guess like a millennial to um, someone more seasoned, um, I would say, you know, just, you know, give us a chance, hear what we have to say. And, um, like, on on my part, I'm always, you know, receptive to hear what um, someone seasonal has to say because I know they're, you know, they're wiser, they're, you know, experienced. And, um, you know, a lot of my mentors are, you know, folks that are, like, more seasonal. And I feel like, you know, I'm I'm where I'm at now because of, like, the knowledge that, you know, they engraved and instilled on me. So I was just saying, you know, just give us a chance and, you know, hear us out. What, what do you feel you have to offer to teach the other generation? What can they learn? What can they learn from you? Uh, well, like Ruth said, I, I'm, I'm happy to have, you know, very good mentors um, that have taught me you know, how to navigate, you know, the uh, situation through uh, in the work site. Uh, what I have to offer is uh, very direct. I like to have good relationships with everybody. So when we have meetings, uh, we could resolve the situations. So you guys have to offer. We, well, I think we're trying to be inclusive, my group anyway. So um. Maybe I'm likely to say, come with me to this meeting instead of, guess what I just heard, or mm. I just found out this. Instead, I'll say, something's coming up. Can you come? And it's specifically to the youngers. Uh, 
doesn't always work, but I try it. Well, I, I've been fortunate. I've been fortunate that I've always pursued knowledge. So the ability to articulate intellectually with a litany of topics is something that I'm proud of. And I know that I can speak to a lot of the millennials and, you know, people my age as well on almost anything um, and feel comfortable enough that I can give them something that they can walk away with and say, hey, I didn't know that. I know it now. Additionally, I can also say that, you know, it's not always about what you know, but how you present it and what it is you talk about with people that makes them feel comfortable enough to say, hey, I can actually rock with him. I can, you know, have a good conversation and come away with something when it comes to talking to America. Hmm. One of the hot topics, healthcare. How important is healthcare to you? Extremely. Healthcare is very important and very expensive, too. It's the most important. You live and die by it. Extremely important, particularly now since it's become a hot topic on a national level. Uh, and we have a whole host of folks that are trying to change the dynamics of what healthcare looks like and how we pay or not pay for it. So particularly when you have family, when you have children, and in the middle of the night you can't just rush somewhere and not know that they're going to be able to be cared for without you being able to not worry about where the finances come from. We know, we know that families are bankrupt when it comes to health care. They can't pay for it. So it's hugely important to me. First, and yes, I know health care is number one, especially when you have a family, uh, you know, Children always have to go to the doctors and uh, saves saves a lot of money having, you know, the health care. So if you have this ball, and in this ball there's health care, benefits, and salary. Is one more important than the other? Are there a package deal? What, what, what's your views on that? Can the ball be in the middle? Like? <laughs> <laughs> it's in the balls in your hands. So how, how, how would, how would you, what would you say? Can I have multiple bowls? Like, can I have a bowl for health care and benefits and salary? Like, I, I feel like I can't have one without the other. Like, they're all extremely important. Like, health care, you know, my health matters. My family's health matters. Um, salary is important because I want to be able to, like, afford my rent. I don't want to have to be worried about being, get, you know, getting evicted. And benefits as well is important. Like, all of the benefits that's, you know, being offered through the union so it's, it's hard to, you know, just say only one is, like, important and then forget the other two. What's the relationship between, or do you see a relationship between health care and salary? I think you, I think you mm -hmm. asked me if I want to just go, if there's anything deeper. The relationship between the two? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I feel like if, um, huh, I'm trying to think. Okay. I would say, like, you know, the health care, you know, is important and, you know, our health matters. You know, if we're, if we're not healthy, we're not going to be able to work. But then I feel like um, if I'm not generating income, I'm going to get sick because I'm so, like, concerned about, like, not making money. So it's just, like, it's kind of like a catch-2020. All those balls are scary. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else want to chime in on? on? Well, salary... Um... Salary could play a huge role if you make enough that you don't have to worry about health care, but mm -hmm. that's not the case in many instances. Yeah. No. 
what 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 is that exactly is that, that you know that, when you're a multi-billionaire and you oh, can afford yeah. stuff like that but that's not the case and quite often people from a political perspective don't understand that you know the average you know middle income family doesn't make that kind of money to afford healthcare in that sense um, so you need to have the ability to to negotiate where healthcare comes from and and the fact that Families are going to need to to take the kid to the dentist, have the optometrist look at them, pay for prescriptions, and that's not something that our government right now looks at and says, "Okay, we're going to do that." But we're looking at it from the union perspective too. So, what, Mark or mm-hmm. Butter, you want to chime in on this one? Well, I think it's a package. I think at six figures, obviously, it's a different story. But if you were coming off the street for a new job, you would ask about all those things in the interview or at the close of the interview. So it's got to be like that with each contract for us and maybe as an ongoing thing. It's, they're all connected. They have to be, I think. I agree with Mark. Yeah, it's, it's a package of the benefits, salary, and the health care. Um, they'll always have to be like a negotiation in between. Yeah, so it's a challenge, right? It's a challenge because they, each one does have an effect. If you begin and, and remind us, we don't pay health care. We don't pay premiums, okay? And so if you start paying premiums, doesn't that cut into your salary? Yes, definitely. <laughs> right? And if we start to lose benefits then that you need, does not cut into your salary. So I think all, all of you are saying the same thing. There's an interconnectedness connectedness to it, and obviously they rely on each other, uh, and we need to focus on that. But I think at this table, we all agree that health care is a right, not a privilege, and that people should have a right to have access to adequate health care. Uh, and in the unionized workforce, obviously, we've negotiated for that, and therefore we've traded off certain things for, like, increases in salary, as opposed to imposition of, of of uh, premiums. See, now we're talking about this artificial gap that Mark says is totally artificial or the natural gap that we think it is. But we're talking about more commonality here today. If you, be, if you listen to, to, to what we're talking about, there's more that we have agreed on than, than disagree and the perspective. So what can the union do, if anything, or what can you do as part of the union to bridge this, this gap Artificial or natural? Hmm. I I would say it would play on the part on both, like, I guess, being receptive on both both ends. Like, um, I guess me as a millennial, I have to be, you know, receptive and open to, um, you know, the seasoned um, workers about what they have to say and, you know, vice versa. Mark, you don't believe there's a gap anyway, so what, so there's nothing for us to do? Or, well, or? I think if we can be welcoming, uh, they don't have to be identical to us as long as we accept them. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the way we try to play it, I think. I think that um, the inclusiveness is important. I think it's uh, something that we need to embrace more, particularly since you guys are going to be the new guard at a certain point. So bridging that gap to me is important because at some point I'm going to need the 
the next waivers, which which you guys are, to be the ones on the front line to fight the way that, you know, we've fought, the way that people before us have fought to ensure that everything that we have is safeguarded so that I know when I'm older and we're talking about Social Security and SSD, that you guys are there fighting for that, that you're fighting for those good pension plans for not only you know, yourselves, but for generations to come. I think that's a key component in what we're doing. Well, I think a key component maybe, you know, uh, is teamwork. Uh, we like to maybe bring in sports, like a sports team into the to the union um, to help camaraderie and solidarity, you know. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> and we've had those discussions. That's mm-hmm. thing. So what would be... The one quality of either generation that you want would want to stand out. Hmm. I like um like when I'm talking to someone that's seasoned, they're just very like just wise and just, they just have this depth of knowledge. Um so I you know, I know that it, like, takes time, but I would love to, like, just absorb all that, like, you know, knowledge that they have. Mark? Well, I mean, that's a good—if people are willing to listen, you know, then, then you could probably pick up a few things from the older group. And and then we're going to have to be— uh, Consider it and, and, you know, uh, approach people on a human level. I, I think I said welcoming already, but that, yeah. It's funny how you mention quality. And every time you ask a question, we all look to Ruth, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as she's the only woman in the room. She gets, Representing. Yeah, it's, 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 it's incredible. <laughs> if you haven't noticed it, it's happened each time. <laughs> That's the type of quality stuff that, that, you know, I look at. How we gauge things from before in as much as chivalry, but also how much respect we have for your knowledge and the way you have respect for our knowledge as well. Those are little things that are going to amount to a lot. Well, just uh, listen a lot to the uh, seasoned workers and to know about the experience they they went through to make this mighty union and to keep it going forward. So you should know that we did have another woman in this session. <laughs> but she's going to study for the Super One test. Oh my! So she could so she could not be here. Okay. We got Good luck that. to her. <laughs> um, we're gonna take a little break, okay, and take a short stroll down labor history lane, and we'll be right back. Cesar Chavez was one of the most effective labor organizers of the modern era. Born in Yuma, Arizona, Chavez became active with the National Agricultural Workers as early as 1946. He formed the National Farm Workers Association in 1962. Three years later, the boycott of grape growers that we organized brought support from civil rights leaders and other unions and boosted the profile of farm workers. Chavez's United Farm Workers became an AFL-CIO affiliate and won pay and benefit improvement for members. 
Chavez brought public attention to issues like pesticides exposure and education, which had a direct impact on his members. A follower of the nonviolent philosophy of Mahatma Gandhi, Chavez brought a new moral tone to labor organizing. Our dignity, he stated, meant more than money. Welcome back, and I just want to say, uh, Cesar Chavez was a giant in the labor movement. Uh, he did things that took a lot of courage, took a lot of fortitude, took a lot of sacrifice. At the end of the day, not only are the workers represented better, but actually the population is better because he introduced all kind of controls on agriculture, all kind of investigations on agriculture. So to make sure that, that it's not perfect, but I tell you what, it's a lot better than it would have been without a Cesar Chavez in the world. Wrapping up today, and we talked about this, uh, it's, it's interesting. I, do you feel that some of the seasoned workers forgot how to, how, what happened when they were young? And do you think that some of the millenniums don't recognize that some of the seasoned workers, or all of the seasoned workers, were young at one time? I would say yes to both. Okay. Um, especially, like, you know, interacting with someone seasoned and, you know, maybe, like, you know, the few that are a bit, like, I guess negative or, like, not receptive to, um, like, a millennial's voice. And I'm just like, what? Like, you were young, too. Like, why are you being, like, why are you just, like, blocking me out of everything? And then... It's interesting because, like, sometimes, like, when I talk to my parents and then, like, they talk about their childhood, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot, you know, they used to be. Because, <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know, it's just, like, sometimes I go off and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just, I tend to forget sometimes. I'm like, you know, of course, like, we were all, you know, a baby and, you know, we grew. But, yeah, I, you know, I would say yes for both. Anybody else? I don't doubt that older people forget stuff sometimes. That's but so they forget that they were young. They forget that we didn't start this off with gray hair and and, and they shouldn't. And, but and on this maybe knowledge. once in a while they do, you know. But you could bring them back. Are we talking about the older people now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I um, I, I definitely haven't forgotten about being young, and I think I'm, I live a very youthful life. Mr. Wells will tell you himself that I just don't stay still. I'm like all over the place. Um, and for you guys, to me, I, I, I love being around you because it's a source of knowledge all the time. Just like you talk about older people and being around them and them having the wisdom, mm -hmm. I feel the same thing when it comes to millennials. You know, there's just so much that you've been blessed with having. I mean, back in the day, we went to a library. We had to pull out a card. Now the library is Google. So the ability to do that makes it so that when I do have a conversation with you guys, I'm not ignorant to the fact that you may know a whole lot of things that I don't know. And it's, for me, a great opportunity to engage and talk with you and learn, you know. I mean, it's always a great opportunity to talk to uh, the seasoned workers, uh, to share, you know, the experience and their knowledge. Always uh, very important. Um, you know, to, you know, to f further. Uh, <laughs> what you say is that what you feel. Yeah. You know, to uh, 
you know, to na- navigate in the work site is always important to have a conversation and. Well, clearly, everybody at this table has dealt with the challenges that we, we talked about. I mean, you guys are all activists, delegates, you, you belong to committees. So you don't just talk to talk, but you walk to walk. And, and you should know in this, in this union, I think you felt that already, that we, didn't, we need every voice. Okay? We need people to, to participate. We pride ourselves on being activists. We pride ourselves on being informative. Okay? Uh, and we pride ourselves on our membership being participatory. And that means you. So, no, those who, who don't get it and want to push aside on either side, push it aside because you think these are too old and this, these ideas are old, or push it aside because you think these young people don't know or they're too aggressive, okay? But it takes all kind in our union. So I want to thank you all for participating this evening, uh, being part of this. I think it's historic. We've had two episodes of this podcast. And we're going to have more. Future podcasts going to include discussions about the 2020 elections, both on the federal level and on the state level, and the census, how we need you to be counted and help count others. Very important. Both big subjects have nothing to do with generation. has simply to do with getting the proper resources and getting the right leadership. So join us in the future on podcasts. And if you have an idea of what you want, let us know. Studio 371 is always open for suggestions and new ideas. God bless you. God bless the union. Thanks for listening to Studio 371 with President Anthony Wells. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, www.mightyunion.org. Or please leave us a review on iTunes. Until next time, union strong, union proud. Union proud.